Happy Father's Day, everybody. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We are going to talk about the model father, and uh, I hope that it will be a blessing uh, to you. Um, so open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Now, many of us at a church like this, is there, we have grown up without fathers. We have been fatherless our lives, some because of a death of a father or some because maybe the father was in the home but absent, maybe because of divorce, uh, something. But many of us have had that uh, kind of a life, and so the grief and, and the pain that's involved with that uh, hopefully that has driven us to the Word of God. Hopefully it's driven us to the Bible to find the, the, the model father. But before we went to the Bible, of course, we looked around us. And we looked to uh, the people around us. We looked to um, music. Music was a big thing with me growing up without a dad. I was looking for that hunger, that, that just trying to find something to fill that. And then I started looking at Hollywood, um, and many of you, I'm sure, have done that. James Bond, you know, looks like a man, right? Just, you're looking for that, that model of manlyhood. And he's a womanizer. Hello. And then today we have, what is it, uh, um, Jason Bond, is it? I mean, he, he's tough, but he's, he's emotionally distant. Can I tell you? He is a mess. So these kind of Hollywood characters, that's exactly what they are, characters, all right? So you're not going to find the model dad, and so the Word of God is where to find that, that uh, model that you want to pattern your life after. And so we're going to pick, pick an unusual character, Luke chapter 15. I mean, you can find great dads, great men in the Bible, great fathers, but we're going to look at one an unusual place, and that is Luke chapter 15. Normally, when you hear a message on Luke chapter 15, you're always thinking of the prodigal son. Or the prodigal son. Ninety percent of your messages are preached on the prodigal son in this chapter. But today we're going to talk about the dad, the dad of the prodigal sons. And we're going to pull from this chapter some lessons so you young dads listen and uh, just grab a hold of some truth that could be a blessing to you as you're raising your children. I don't have time to read the whole chapter. Uh, but if you look at verse 11, let me just begin reading one verse. Uh, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. So the topic, the subject of this chapter, the end of this chapter, is the dad. And that's what we're going to look at. So this man had two sons. Uh, the younger son came and said he wanted his inheritance early. Dad, before you die, give me my portion is coming to me. Give me half of your assets, and uh, uh, I'm going to go off and live the way I want to. So the father did. Kind of confusing for us when you think about it. The father actually gave him the inheritance. He went off. He lived this wild lifestyle, and then, of course, he found himself in a mess, living in the hog pen, desiring to eat the pig's food. You ever notice what pigs eat? I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just disgusting. He was, he was starving to death, and that's what he wanted. So then he, he finally come to himself because no one would give to him, the Bible says. And so he came to himself. He remembered that his father had higher servants that were, had food and much left over. 
So he decided that he's going to go home. He's going to tell his father that I've sinned against heaven and I sinned against you. I am no worthy to be called your son. At least let me be one of your hired servants. So he decides to go back home. So on his way back home, he's walking towards his farm. His father sees him. The father runs, grabs him, falls on him, kisses him, crying, and puts a ring and put a robe, kill the fatted calf, and then have a party. So they have this huge party. And so the son that never left home was always faithful, always there. He comes home, and he hears the singing and the dancing and the party going on. So he asked one of the hired servants, what's going on? They said, your brother has come home, and your dad had killed the kid, or the fatted calf, and so, you know, we're going to, they're partying in there. (laughs) Dad killed the kid, right? You got that, okay. And so (laughs) that was perfect timing. Killed the kid, and we're partying about it, right? So, so, uh, so kill the fatted calf, and uh, so they're partying. And so the oldest son gets mad. He gets angry. And so we're going to talk about that as we go on. But that's, that's the story in a nutshell. And so, so I don't have to read the whole thing. I gave you that in case you don't know much about that. And so then let's pull some truths out of that. Number one, a modeled father has foresight. Now, the word foresight means that the father had this ability to see what was going to happen in the future. In other words, it's like a father knows the Bible. He knows he's been around long enough that when you sow this, you're going to reap this. The father understood that. And he had this fantastic foresight. And so the, the question you have to ask is yourself is, why did the father give him the inheritance before he died? I believe it was because of this foresight. Now listen very carefully. He knew some things, and that's why he made this decision to give it early. Number one, he knew what he had taught his son. He knew the truth that he had poured into his son. He knew that what he put into his son was going to determine his behavior and what he was going to be like in his later life. When you pour truth into your children in a young life, that's going to determine what they're going to become, and how they're going to behave later on in life. I mean, it's, when you pour truth in your children from knee-high to aggressive, all the way to up they're 18 years old, they have that, and they may go live wildly, but they're going to remember that. And let's, so let's walk through that. Now, Jesus was telling this story to Jews, and the Jews understood the responsibility of being a parent. They had this deep, ingrained responsibility. They, they believed in the Mosaic Law. Well, when you think about the Mosaic Law, you think back to Deuteronomy. Moses, before he went into the Promised Land, or he took the children of Israel into the Promised Land, he gathered them all aside. And then he told them, let me just read it to you, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This is what he said. This is Moses talking to the children of Israel, talking about their responsibility. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord. Now, of course, he's talking to the parents here. You must love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. Verse 6. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these things which I command you. So, so here he's talking to the parent. This is what I want you to do. So Jesus is telling this story to a bunch of Jews, and he's talking about the dad. The dad is actually doing this. The dad is committed to these truths, just like here in Deuteronomy. Look at verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. 
That's the thought we got here, okay? That's what this prodigal father is doing with the children, okay? Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you get up. Verse 8 says, tie them upon your hands, wear them upon your foreheads as reminders. Verse 9 says this, write them upon your doorpost post of your house and on your gates. Okay, so these commandments, the word of God, this is the responsibility of the father. And this father allowed him to have the inheritance because he knew that what he had put in the son, all of this truth, and this son would eventually come to his senses. That's what he knew. He understood that. Secondly, he also knew that this wasn't going to turn out good for the boy. The father knew that when his son was leaving, it wasn't going to turn out well. He had that kind of foresight. The father knew that all of the son's life, he had got to see the father living the abundant life. Now follow this. He got to see the father live a life of contentment, a life of joy. He got, he got to see the father and run his family and his hired servants and have this, this joyful life, this abundant life. He got to experience that. Yet he chose to walk away. And the father knew that by walking away, there was going to come a time when the boy would, I mean, I mean when, you, when you walk according to the world, there's going to be pain. There's going to be agony. And the father understood that my boy's going to walk away, and he's going to experience heartache. When you follow the world, that's exactly what you experience. And he understood that. And so he allowed that to happen because he knew that he would come back to it. But what he was hoping was this, that the son would say, okay, this is the pain that I'm in. This is how my father lived, and this is how he lived for God. And there was this, this exciting joy, this wonderful life over here. I'm no longer going to live here. I'm going to choose to go back to my father, and that's exactly what happened. The boy or the father understood that truth. Now I want to go to Psalms just to illustrate this. And you might want to write this down. Take notes. Psalms chapter 1. Just to illustrate what the father understood. He was hoping his, his boy would say, okay, this is the world, and I'm miserable. This is the way my father lived, and I choose this. So as a young dad, pour into your children truth. Because... They might experience the world, but when they do, they're going to choose. When they come to their senses, they're going to choose this way. Look at Psalms chapter 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Oh, the joy when a person does not listen nor follow the advice of the world. Joy. Not just that. But joy also when he doesn't stand with the sinners, nor does he join with the mockers. Okay, so, so there's, he's saying, oh, the joy. So he's saying, listen to the passion, oh, the overflowing joy when you don't listen to the world. Let's flip that around now. Oh, the sorrow that comes to those who take the advice of the world. 
And he knew that. The father knew that. He knew, he understood this. He had enough foresight to know that when his son goes down this road, this is what he's going to experience. He's going to experience the world, and he remembers what he experienced at home, and he's going to choose the home. So all the sorrow of those who listen and follow the advice of the world and not follow the advice of God. That speaks to all of us. Can I hear an amen? That's right where we're at. When we get off track and following the word of God and listening to just the book, when we get away from this and we start listening to man's ideas, we start listening to our own philosophy, that's when the world and, and God it just gets all muttered. And before you know it, we're living a life of what? Sorrow. All oh, the sorrow when we begin to take the advice of the world. And it goes on. Oh, the sorrow when we begin to run with the sinner. Not that we're not supposed to be friends with sinners, but when they're our best friends, and that's who we're running with. That's our life. Oh, the sorrow. And thirdly, when you join in with the mockers. So you wonder why Christians experience all this sorrow and aren't able to get out of it. It's because they're listening, because it's all up here. When you listen to the word of God, you, and we're going to talk about that. You know the outcome. You, you experience joy because you know God's got it. But when you listen to the world and you follow their advice, you're freaked out and you're full of sorrow. Then he goes on. But, his, but they delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate in that day and night. They are like a tree planted by the banks, riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Their leaf shall never wither. And they prosper in all that they do. Man. So the idea is, when we listen to the advice of God, and we're in his book, we are joyful, we are fruitful, and we are successful. But when we listen to the advice of the world in the things that really matter, we're sorrowful unfruitful and unsuccessful in what really matters. That's what Psalms, and that the father had enough foresight to understand when his son chose to walk away from God's principles, to walk away from his dad and go down this road, that's what he was going to experience. So he allowed this to take place. So first of all, he knew what he taught his son. He knew how this was going to turn out. He also knew the promises of God. Proverbs 22, verse 6, talks about train up a child when he's, when he's young, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. This is one of my favorite, Isaiah 55, 11, my word will not return void. It will not return void. It will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. And then, of course, he knew the, he knew the father's love for the boy. The father couldn't chase the boy down the road. To the other country. He had to stay home. But he knew that his God was going to follow him. Psalms 23, the last part of that chapter, says, surely the goodness of God will follow me all the days of my life. Now, what gets me excited about that verse is that word, the goodness of God, his mercy, his kindness, his love is going to follow. That word follow means chase. So when as this boy was running from God, 
God was chasing him down. Can you, can you picture it? He was, he was in hot pursuit of this boy. That's why the famine came. That's why all these problems, that's why nobody would give to him. So, that, so God was, he, he was orchestrating all of it so the boy would come to his senses. This father knew these principles, and he knew that if his son did this, this was the results of all of that. So the father understood it. And so, and so a, a, a model father has this foresight and sees these things are going to happen. And so it's important to encourage your wives and your friends with these wonderful truths. I remember my wife was a stay-at-home mom most of our early life together. Um, and it was hard on her. And she would come sometimes because, I mean, four boys. Two girls were angels. They were flying around with wings, <laughs> halos. They were perfect. Can you hear an amen? Girls are perfect. Okay, so, so boys are hard, but they're still great. So she would come to me and she says, you think our sons are going to be okay? Not, not unless our sons, but our kids. That was, I, 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 she met general. And I said, yes, honey, they are. I said, I said, we're all the time teaching them God's word. We're all the time living examples. We're, we live, we lip, and we love. Lip means talk. We're, we're constantly teaching them by example. Sure, we make mistakes, but, but we're actually showing them the abundant life, the journey that God has out for us. I say, things are going to be fine. But every now and then she'd, she'd feel that way. And it would encourage her. And all of our kids are fine. They're great. How many do I have in here? <laughs> they're all, they're, seriously, they are all great kids, okay? And they are fine. So God has really blessed. Why? Because we were that example in front of them. Trust me, there were a lot of mistakes that were made, but we repented of that. Okay, so a model father has foresight. Number two, a model father is forbearing, okay? Now, again, the father divided up his living. Why is that? Because he understood that some kids don't learn the easy way. All six of our kids are different. How many have kids that are exactly the same? They're all different. It's strange. I remember having, uh, you know, you just wonder after our first one, he was kind of difficult. He was a little bit wild. And we wondered, are we going to have another wild one like that? Never did. Praise God. We just, they were easy going after that. But he understood the kids had to learn the hard way. So the, parent, the dad had to watch his kid. Now we're talking about forbearance. The dad had to watch the kid go down that road knowing what he was going to experience and not rescue him. Follow me. He knew what he was going to experience and he was disciplined, strong, he didn't reach out and say, no, and rescue his son. He could have rescued him. He could have said, no, you're not getting the inheritance. He could have said it. You're going to have to wait till I'm dead before you get the inheritance. But the father had this, this foresight. Let's, let's, let's think that thought through. Let's just say the boy would have, or the father would have said, no, you can't have it till I'm dead. 
So let's play that out. The father dies. The kid gets the money. The kid runs off, lives, sows his wild oats, spends all his money. There he's in the hog pen, and he comes to his senses. Oh, I got to go home and tell my father I've sinned, and he'll make me one of his hired servants. But here's the problem. His father's dead. His brother will not take him in. His, father, his brother hates him. He's bitter. He's left there in the, the, the hog pen, and he's going to die of starvation. That's the idea. So his father had this foresight and this, this forbearing to understand that and not rescue him to let it play out. And it played out just as he thought. Because his father is still alive. That's why he gave the inheritance. This rebellion wasn't going to come out until he learned by experience because this is the child he's raising. You don't deal with every children exactly the same way, and kids always get mad. Well, you didn't do that with me. Well, it's because you learned different than this one, right? They're, they're all different. And so, so when the kid went through all that experience and he came to his senses, he got to come home, and he got to say to his father, I've sinned against you. And he got to experience the abundant life. See, his father, it wasn't all about his father. It was about the boy. Modeled father is forbearing. He is, has foresight. And thirdly, he is forgiving. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic story. And I love this. The boy's walking home, right? His dad's running. <laughs> he sees the dad. He comes running to the dad. Or dad comes running to the boy. He grabs him and he cries and he kisses him and he doesn't stop. Bring over the robe. Bring a ring. Bring some sandals. I mean, he's just going on and on. And the, the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And then the father interrupts him. But he interrupts him with nothing but forgiveness. There was no, how could have you done this to us? There was no, where have you been? There was only forgiveness. There was only acceptance. There was only encouragement. There was only positiveness. How could the father be so selfless? Because it wasn't about the father and his pain that the son brought upon him. It was about the son and the pain that he was going through. The thing I would have asked is, where's the money? That's what I would ask. What'd you do? Is there any left? You got any pockets? Show me, show me your pockets. Show me your socks. Any more money? None of that. He could have said, hey, are you happy now? I told you, he could have done all of that, but he didn't. Why? Because the father was forgiving, and it was all about the boy being restated to the position of sonhood and experiencing the life that his father wanted him to experience. So how in the world did his father get so selfless? Because we get hurt. We get hurt. Go in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I'll tell you how you can be a dad that is all about your sons and your daughters and all about your kids. Forgiveness. But let's, let's, let's talk about what happens when you get hurt. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. This is how the Father was so selfless. It says, always be joy, always be filled with joy in the Lord. How can you always be filled with joy in the Lord? He commands it right here. How is because you're focused on the Lord. Follow me. When you begin to focus on the Lord and you understand who he really is and what he's all about and you are the apple of his eye and he's literally, as far as focus on, you're getting to know him and your life, he's, he's, he's running your life like this beautiful symphony. The things that are coming in your life is for you to grow stronger and he's just demonstrating over and over in his love and he's got, he's got this. So he says, when you get to know him, all of a sudden, you can be joyful. Not just joyful, full of joy when you focus on him. And then he says, again, rejoice. Let everyone see your consideration in all you do. And that's just your love. Remember, the Lord is coming. So demonstrate what the Lord is to other people. And then he says, don't worry about anything Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Again, we're talking about how did the father get so selfless? How come he didn't just blurt out, what'd you do with all the money? How come he didn't grow bitter and all that? It's because he was focused on God and all that God is. And that pain that his son caused, he just gave it to God. Okay? Once he focused on God, that brought joy. Once he, how do you not worry? Because once you know God, then you trust God with all your problems. You can't trust God till you know him, until you're focused on him, and you understand that he is sovereign and he is in control. This thing that came in your life is not an accident. This son wanting to go off, I mean, God's following him. And he can rejoice in the fact that God's following his son down to the hog pen. He can rejoice. God's got this. Otherwise, he's, he's, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. All of this. That's why he was focused on the son and not his own pain. Because he knew the father and he trusted God in the things that he was worried about. Notice what it says. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. God, here it is. I can't handle it but I know you can. Why? Because I, I know that you're, you're working every single thing out in my life for my good. And you're working every single thing out in my kid's life for their good. So you, can, you don't have to take it personally. It's not all about you. It's about your kid. Then he goes on. He says, and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand, and the peace will guard your heart and your minds. So here's the idea. When you choose to focus on God, there's overflowing joy. When you trust God with your problems, there's peace that passeth all understanding. And when you thank God for what he's done and what he's going to do, there's protection with your mind and your affections. There is protection. So there's joy, there's peace, and there's protection when you do it God's way. Now I'm telling you, this is powerful. This is life-changing if you just grab a hold of it 
and believe it. Because most of us, if something goes wrong, what do we do? Worry. Right? But when you're focused on God, you could have joy in the midst of the storm. Yeah. Yesterday something happened and I was just a punch in my gut. You know, but then when you sit back and you just, okay, God, none of this happened by accident. And you begin to understand who he is. It just takes you right back to the place of joy. It's not that you won't get set back, but when you think about him and he's orchestrating all of this stuff, you can have joy, peace, and protection. So forgiving. Then number four, a model father is a forgetful, or he, he is forgetful, Okay. Now, he is forgiving, but he is also forgetful. He places his boy right back to where he was before. He was able to take the pain and put it aside. And don't even bring it up. When the son's talking about it, he just ignores it, and he puts it behind him. I love, I love Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Look what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, yeah, the last part, I thought this was the wrong verse, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul had killed some people and did some horrible things, and so the only way that he could actually deal with this is forgetting those things which are behind. So it doesn't matter whether it be your sin or your children's sin or somebody in your life's sin. You can literally treat them as if they had never done it. You put those things behind you. In other words, you choose not to think about them. I also like uh, Psalms 103, verse 12, just some verses that you really should write down. He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. In other words, he's removed our sin as far as possible away from all of us. And this is, this is probably one of my favorites. Isaiah 43, verse 25. Yes, I Yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my sake. Now, notice this, and will never think of them again. <laughs> Our God is a great example to us that when we've blown it, he doesn't remind us all the time of our sin. So when your sin of your past, which you've dealt with and it's gone, when it comes, it's not of God when it comes to your mind. Trust me, it's your flesh or it's the enemy. One of those are bringing that back. It's not of God. Okay? But here's what I like about that verse. He says, I do this for my sake. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the things I think he, he says this is for us is that when we forgive and we forget, it's for our sake. Because when we think about somebody, when somebody has hurt us, Years ago, and Satan brings it back, and we begin thinking about it. What's it do? Takes us right back to that day. Takes us right back to how we felt. Takes us right back to the emotion. Takes us right back there, and there we are wallowing that all again. So God is telling us, hey, listen, when you forgive and you forget, choose not to think about it ever again for your sake. Because then you can have that relationship with each other. That doesn't hinder. The past isn't standing between you and the person. It's gone. So you can treat them as if they had never sinned against you. 
You don't have to dominate over them. You don't have to act like you're better than them. It's just like clean slate. So a model father is also a forgetful father. And last of all, a model father is a focused father. Now think about this. The son comes back. The older son comes back. The party is in full swing. The fatted calf is on the rotisserie. The smell is just building. People are walking by and they're cutting off that meat. They go out on the dance floor. They're dancing. They're singing. They're full of joy. They're grabbing the young son and they're hugging him. I mean, everything is going exactly the way the father had planned it. But where's the father? Where's the dad? He's not in there. He's outside. And he's focusing on the other rebellious son who's upset for what his father's doing now. So he's out there explaining, we have to do this. Your, Your brother was dead and now he's alive. We have to throw this part. He's trying to get him to understand He's focused on where he's needed to be at that moment. For Listen, not for his best interest, but for his child's best interest. He's focused, laser focused. I mean, what an example to us. Why? Again, it's because the father isn't focused on his pain. The father's focused on his children's life. That is a focused father. Those of us that didn't have that. This is a great role model for us. He gave up. He gave up his 67 Cougar. Can I hear an amen? All right. he, he gave up half of his living. Think about that. Just gave it. How many of us would do that to our kids? Well, you got to make sure you spend it right. You gotta, okay, well, let's, let's have some conditions in here. Amen? Why? Because we work so hard. But the father knew that by giving it up now, it was going to help the son enjoy the abundant life. A father with foresight. A father with forbearing. A father that's forgiving, forgetful, and focused. That's the kind of father we all need. And that's the kind of father we all deserve. And honestly, that's the kind of father that we all hunger and thirst for. So let us rise up, real life, and be the men. This world, I'm telling you, the example out there is a disaster. They're, they're, they're talking, they're putting up all these role models for us. I mean, and for our kids, and our kids bite into this because they're so great at sports. So that makes them a great role model? Or because they're handsome? Because they're strong? The rock? All right? All, none of that. It's, it's this right here that we're talking about. That makes a great father, a role model for our children. So guys, I'm just encouraging you. Rise up. <laughs> Usually I preach great messages on Mother's Day to encourage our mothers, you know, and just build them up. And people say, oh, it's so wonderful, wonderful. And then come Father's Day, they always say, I bash on the men. 
This wasn't a bashing, praise God, amen? It was an encouragement to rise up and be the modeled figure that your children need. All right, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your...